0: Uh, Well, today uh, we celebrate the fourth Sunday of Easter, which could really be called Good Shepherd Sunday. That's because each year the lectionary gives us the beloved Psalm 23. We read it together as a call to worship. The Lord is my shepherd. This is always paired with a reading from John 10, the major theme of which is Jesus calling himself the Good Shepherd. Each year during Eastertide, we're reminded that we belong to the Good Shepherd's flock, that our risen Lord continues to lead and guide us in this life, and will one day lead us home to God's house. So let's dig into it together. First, let's talk for a minute about shepherding. I think as 21st century Christians, we have a tendency to glamorize the role of a shepherd, but In truth, it was a dirty, lowly job, then just as it is now. It required being out with dirty sheep who would often get scared and scatter. They'd wander off. It was also a dangerous job. Shepherds often risked their lives while leading their flock in the wilderness from predators or bandits who would come and steal sheep for their wool. Shepherds were certainly not among the high and mighty in society. They were lowly. They were on the margins, quite literally, uh, of their community. Uh, this is why David in the Bible is given the job of shepherd growing up, because he was the youngest son, therefore the one with the lowest status. Yet this idea of the good shepherd is also a messianic claim. The prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah describe God firing all the shepherds of Israel Instead, claiming that God and God's self will show up and shepherd the people of Israel. So to fast forward to John's gospel, where we see Jesus call himself the good shepherd, here we see that uh, Jesus claims that I am the one bringing this promise to life, here and now. This year, our reading from John 10 occurs in the middle of the chapter, Just before our reading, Jesus has laid out the idea that he is the gate for the sheep to enter his fold and flock, warning of thieves and outlaws who intend to harm his flock. To this, this he simply says, I am the good shepherd. The rest of our reading really lays out what a shepherd does for their flock. And we'll focus our attention here as I think it helps us to see what it means to be part of the good shepherd's flock. The first thing Jesus says about what shepherds do is that they lay down their lives for their flock, for their sheep. The care and guidance of a shepherd is sacrificial in nature, fully giving of themselves for the protection and flourishing of their flock. In the past year of pandemic and distancing, I think of the shepherding professions that have come into focus in our society from healthcare workers to teachers selflessly caring for their patients and students, to others, postal and delivery workers, those working in the food supply chain, grocers, suppliers, farmers, and so on, who have given of, of their very selves in order that the greater society could continue to be sustained. These folks and many more have emulated this self-giving way of love that the Good Shepherd models for us. But really, the statement distinguishes the care Jesus provides from others who come and promise help. Jesus is fully invested in the well-being of God's children, just like a shepherd would have been to their flock, as their flock, their sheep, represented their very livelihood. By comparison, a hired hand, someone paid to do a job, wouldn't have skin in the game, And as such, would have very little incentive to give fully of themselves to protect the flock from danger. Here, Jesus essentially says, I am all in on caring for and protecting my flock. This is who God is for us. Fully committed to us, even to the point of giving his life for us. Jesus, as the good shepherd, doesn't just show that he's fully committed to the flourishing and protection of his flock, but he also knows them. Did you catch that? Shepherds, as those fully invested in their flock, truly had to know their sheep in order to best care for them and watch out for them. Old Testament scholar Rolf Jacobson tells a story about a family friend who was a sheep farmer. Anyways, at a a county fair, while otherwise occupied, someone went into his stable and stole one of his sheep. He had a suspicion of who it could have been, someone from the next county over. So a couple weeks later, it was uh, that county's fair. So he showed up, and as soon as he went into the sheep barn, he heard his sheep. It was crying for him. So he found it, re tagged it, or reclaimed his sheep, and took it home. Rolf said to the man, Come on, are you going to tell me that you could actually recognize your sheep in that big bunch? The man simply replied, Absolutely. I know my sheep. In our reading, Jesus says, I know my sheep, I know my own sheep, and they know me. Powerful words indeed in this time, over a year into a pandemic where we just simply want to be seen, heard, and known by those we care about, and even by the wider community. I think we're in a moment where we just truly want to be known, recognized, loved. It's a longing for closeness in a time when we still have to keep distance. Yet the good shepherd knows us, hears us, calls us by name. It's a promise that we're known deeply, that we're loved. And not only are we known, but our good shepherd promises that we'll know him too, just like that sheep crying out for, his, for their shepherd. And now we get to the, what I think is the best part of what shepherds do. So they gather us together. So not only does the good shepherd know us, lay down his life for us, but he also promises to gather us. He says, I have other sheep that do not belong to this sheep pen. I must lead them too. They'll listen to my voice and there'll be one flock, one shepherd. I have other sheep. I must lead them. I must find them too. You see, in John's time, people who claim proclaim Christ as Lord at this point were being cast out of the synagogues, of their places of worship, of their communities. His gospel is likely written in the midst of this happening. You can imagine the people in John's community cast out of their spiritual homes were angry, resentful, hurt, perhaps some even thinking unkindly to those who have cast them out. But Jesus here warns against such thinking saying, They're part of my flock, too. I must gather them also. There will be one flock, one shepherd. These words are both comforting and challenging ones that confront us in this moment where our community and nation faces divisions and polarization, as well as a reckoning on uh, systemic racism. It's a reminder that if we think that everyone in Jesus' flock looks like us, or speaks the same language, or has the same opinions, votes the same, or even has the same way of worshiping God, that we have to ask ourselves what shepherd we're following. Because Jesus is clear. There will be one shepherd, one flock. Our good shepherd who willingly lays down his life for his sheep is not done gathering his flock until all of God's children, all of humanity has been gathered into his fold, into his sheep pen. Our job as those who claim to follow the good shepherd is to emulate this radical hospitality, inclusive inclusivity, and welcome. Now it may be the good shepherd's job to actually gather the flock, but it's our job to cultivate an inclusive and welcoming sheep pen, or church, for his flock to be gathered. We're to find ways to work diligently to make our community more and more welcoming and more and more inclusive of all people, that all might be embraced and nurtured as part of Christ's flock, just as they are, without judgment or exception. Friends, know that each of you are part of the Good Shepherd's flock. Our Good Shepherd knows each of us deeply, gathers us unconditionally, and loves us even to the point of laying down his life for us. May we live with this confidence, and may we find ways to extend Christ's welcome until his hope is realized that there will be one flock and one shepherd one human family gathered together in the kingdom of God. May it be so. Amen.